Brina Garen, and you're listening to Hex Positive. Welcome, witches. This is a special bonus episode of Hex Positive. I'm your host, Brainy Garen, and it is the month of Halloween. I know you're all excited. I certainly am. And I'm sure my guest today is equally jazzed. You may have seen them on YouTube, and if you came to SASCON back in August, you may remember them from the main panel, plus an excellent fireside chat about protection and warding top shelf. They're witchy, they're fabulous, and they're the host of Do the Magical Thing, which is quite possibly one of the best names for a witchy show that I've ever heard. All the way from Wales, please welcome Lee Curtis Rogers. Welcome, Lee. Oh, thank you so much, love. That was a lovely introduction, my goodness. (laughs) Well, you're a lovely person, so you deserve it. Oh, thanks. It's that thing with the Brits, isn't it? It's just that thing of politeness. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I but can't you take really are <laughs> <laughs> No, you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. It's just, uh, that SwitchCon was just crazy, wasn't it? Oh, it was my God. Crazy. It was fabulous. And oh. we we had met before, so to speak. Uh, you were gracious enough to review one of my books. Thank you again. And then you had me on for a chat, which was loads of fun. And then, yes, we were on that same panel at SASCON, which got a little madcap, but which was also like a heckin' good time. But for the newcomers, please do tell the lovely listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm uh, Lee, and really I'm a non-theist witch, so I always say that sort of means that I'm kind of the middle ground between woo and the sort of more materialist take on things. Um, so I don't incorporate deities in my practice, but I do like to, you know, incorporate elements of the supernatural and to focus really on the sort of whole kind of place and space side of magic. I think that that's really helpful for honing in on your sort of surroundings and and getting really kind of close up to your practice. I think a lot of times we end up sort of in these far off places in our in our magical sort of uh, ways when, you know, things like ancestors, local land spirits, local folklore and history um, can really sort of get you in there. And um, and I think with that, it kind of it has that element of empowerment on sort of you know your own self and I know you've mentioned that obviously in uh, in Grove Door Witchery about that sort of empowerment and responsibility there and I definitely sort of yeah I definitely try and follow that through throughout my practice and and really affect change and try and just yeah try and incorporate and get into that real sort of sense of where I am and where I want to be and kind of matching the two up ideally. I like that it's 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 simple it's easy and it's personal yeah and I think personal is really the way to go about it I think you know when you get into witchcraft and that kind of that sort of big expanse you end mm-hmm. up with this this sort of huge uh, area you know to look at this kind of massive landscape and actually 
if you start doing little step by step, you soon realise that there's actually this little area that you can cultivate and, you know, and really sort of build on that. And then you can, you know, visit other places, maybe if you like, um, you know, visit them metaphorically or otherwise. But really that kind of cultivating of your own place, that's how you can sort of travel magically through the world. Do you know what I mean? That kind of that self-practice, that self-assuredness that comes from doing your own research, from looking at what's really kind of relevant and appropriate to you and just building on your own experience. Because I love books and I love you know reading and researching. But, you know, part of the thing with with Do the Magical Thing is it being a reminder to myself to actually get on and do the magic. And that is the hurdle, isn't it? It's it's okay. I've done the research. I'm learning the things. I've got the good sort of energy going, and now I just have to actually sit down and, you know, do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know it's tough though because the thing is, you, oh, you either get like this whole sort of dreaded warning from, oh, you're gonna do it wrong, and it's gonna everything's gonna explode, and the curtains are gonna set on fire, <laughs> and you're like. I, can't, I can never touch a candle. Like, no. uh, yes, there there are just there's so many warnings about, you know, oh, well, don't do this or don't do that or, you know, don't do X, Y and Z if you don't have, you know, however much experience. But it's always so nebulous and there's never at least not that I see there. There's very rarely any sort of reasoning behind it. It's just these sort of vague warnings of do not do this thing or else something, yeah, something yeah. bad will something happen sometime, happen. somewhere, yeah. some way. <laughs> I don't know. Far off in the ether. I don't know. It's just one of those things. You're just like, what, why is this a thing? Why is this warning here? And I think really it's a, an element of elitism and, and it's this, and perhaps we don't necessarily do that knowingly, but it's that thing of by warning others off, you keep the magic to yourself and you're like, ha, this is mine and no one else can have it or be, you know, a powerful witch. And and I'm very much someone who says, and I say it in my videos, you know, like you are a powerful witch. It doesn't matter how long you've been practicing. It doesn't matter. You know, you can do it. You have to believe that you can do it. And sometimes that's hard. But ultimately, the only reason to to sort of put people off of doing something I feel is just to keep the magic away from them and I, I really I really have a, that's my big bugbear as I don't like inaccessibility to magic and to magical practice because ultimately if you look at the old grimoires and things like that and, and you know various different magical or occultists throughout history they were kind of just messing about and hoping for the best do you know what I mean they had these like elements they put together but they were like oh I did this and then this thing appeared so um that I'll write that down <laughs> it's like that was kind of it. There's no reason why we can't be like that today. Obviously, we've got some great guidelines there that we can have a look at and, you know, be inspired by or, you know, and there's obviously basic stuff like don't burn your flat down or your house down or whatever it is. But, you <laughs> know, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, ideally trying to keep the flame on the candle, not elsewhere, you know, but realistically you've got to kind of play with magic and I think we lose that sense of, of playfulness of magic when we get a bit too serious and you know I appreciate that magic is one of those things and and it can become something that's really profound and there are moments of like a real wonder there you know that's what kind of keeps me non-theist rather than um, materialist really is that sort of there's a wonder that I just can't get rid of and magic really fulfills that for me um, and it keeps that mystery alive I suppose and I think 
I think yeah, just getting getting your hands dirty, you know, uh, and and getting just getting in there. I think the the practical side of magic is really fun, and the more you do it, the more these little things happen. And if, in my personal experience, obviously every, everyone's different, but in my personal experience, the more witchcraft you do, the and you know, clue is in the name. Being a craft, a craft is something that you know. If you if you think about the name or the word craft, it's something that is crafted. It's something that's that's really kind of uh, lovingly made. It's it takes a little bit of time. It takes a little bit of effort. You know, there should be wood shavings on the floor or something. If you imagine, you know, that sort of that spell work. You know, there should be ashes and stuff. It should be bits everywhere. Salt, you know, getting under your shoes. It's just get in there. Get a mess going. You know, get messy uh, and and get magical and just sort of just play with it because the more you do it the more you go oh that thing looks like it might have done this thing or it might have grown into this stuff you know and I think we can we can definitely make sure we're grounded in uh, you know in known reality and go okay well likelihood is it could be this reason and this very reasonable way of, of happening but hey it could also be that the spell did the thing so mm-hmm. you know either either way works for me yeah. What what is it that that Trey Dorn is always saying? Is something about having a, a dirt under your nails and a brick in your hand, and that's that's how we do witchcraft around here. Yeah. And <laughs> I think that's yeah, that resonates very very much with me because it's like yeah, you you have to get your hands dirty. You have to you know try things. You mm. have to get messy. You have to make mistakes because there's some things that you just will not learn any other way. And I think you really hit the nail on the head with what you said earlier about, uh, you know, people, you know, will give newer witches these warnings. And I I do think it is a form of gatekeeping, um, you know, albeit something that's cloaked in, oh, you know, we're, we're just trying to warn them away from things that might hurt them. It's, are you, though? Are yeah. you really? Or are you just trying to feel, you know, special? Are you just trying to keep this to yourself? Are you taking this just a little bit too seriously? Mm. And I think that is a problem for all witches that we we all get to a point where we, like you said, we forget to have fun with it. We take ourselves too seriously. And when that happens, that's I think when, you know, people get preached at. That's when people start, you know, you know, they, they get sought in their ways. They reach a point where they're like, well, I know a few things and, you know, therefore I have to become a serious witch now. I can't do all this, you know, silly stuff anymore. And it, it's a bit like life in a way. You know, yeah. you you do fun things when you're younger and then you get into sort of that teenage phase where you're too cool to have fun, <laughs> except except in like a pseudo grown up sort of way. And then you become yeah. an adult and you're like, fuck it, I'm playing video games all day. Screw this. That's it, yeah. That's it, 100%. No, if, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wear the silly pajama pants because it makes me happy. I'm going to have chocolate milk with my cereal because screw it. Yeah. Who's going to tell me not to? Yeah, and I think this is the thing. You know, you've got to take joy where it comes. You know, the world is tough. And, mm-hmm. you know, it makes – when we can be tough and yielding and soft at the same time. We can be all these things. We don't have to be – and, and I do think sometimes, you know, folks come into witchcraft um, from, 
you know, from places that perhaps not have not, you know, treated them particularly well, you know, organised religions or other things like that, that sort of knock them about a bit. And then they come into this thing and, and they they want this kind of this sort of sense of edginess to it. And like, hey, there's, you know, I mean, witchcraft is edgy, let's be honest, but there's there's edgy and then there's performative. And I think that witchcraft really it's it's cool to call yourself a witch. And and that's great. And I think everybody should be able to play with that term. Um, but I think really getting into the practical witchcraft side of it can be so rewarding and so, uh, you know, confidence building as well, you know. And, and realistically, yes, you can have these very measured ingredients or do it under a particular hour of something. And you know what? I love all that pomp and circumstance. Layer it on me. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love all that. Give me some correspondences, you know. And as always, you know, from researching about correspondences and, and words and I love sort of digging into the words of things correspondences meaning to layer up uh, or to instruct really correspondence to instruct whatever it is you're appealing to and that instruction means to pile up upon and so you're piling up these correspondences throwing it out into the ether or universe or whatever it is and then you get this kind of thing thing back you know yeah you can do that very precisely but you can also open your kitchen cupboard and just throw stuff and and hope for the best you know you can you can have that clear idea but it it doesn't mean that it has to be executed perfectly clinically you know it really it can be messy and it can be you know a lot of fun and you know it, it can be waving your arms about you know staring at a leaf you know it's like oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that is magic <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same story, different versions, and all are true. Tia Dalma knew what she was talking about, even though it was scripted. <laughs> but yes, um, there's there is a certain charm to, you know, flying by the seat of your pants and kind of making it up as you go along. And there's something very satisfying about, you know, ritual and, yeah. you know, a, a planned spell that, you know, you have a lot of moving parts and you feel really, really cool when you when you pull it off speaking for personal experience yeah. and you know the aesthetics are wonderful you know it, it's fun to feel you know edgy and a little bit dangerous and you know witchcraft has always been an act of rebellion magic has always been slightly rebellious and you know we certainly see that in the the archetype of the magic user especially in the archetype of the witch that's yeah. a whole thing that i will you know talk about in depth probably sometime later when I'm feeling especially philosophical <laughs> but um I just I, I think that aesthetics and everything are fine and you know the pomp and circumstance is fine and the you know the whole outward appearance thing is fine and like the persona that you build up sort of around yourself in a way that's all great just make sure that the pomp and circumstance and the aesthetics and the edginess is not all there is to it. You know, you, you got to have some substance underneath. If you have like some substance underneath that you're working with, you can be as, as edgy and as aesthetic and as fluffy and as whatever the hell as you want, as long as you're not, you know, like messing with closed cultures and stuff that's you know there's there's a few hard and fast rules few a few lines that shouldn't be crossed but you know as long as you're not like actively messing with that sort of thing it's like just just have some fun with it try not to be quite so rigid you know like you said learn to bend 
Yeah, 100%. You know, there's no one way to witch. That's a old saying, isn't it? But it's true. And I think, you know, some of my most successful spells have been off the cuff, have been in moments of passion in terms of, you know, from a great emotion or need in some respect, you know, in response to an event or to, a, you know, counteract an event. And they can be done, you know, one of my spells that worked rather nicely was done on a, a little a uh, little tablecloth with a little candle you know a birthday candle nothing you know particularly special and a couple of crystals I could fish out of my pocket you know and and whatever I could think of saying at the time it's but equally I've done a three-day spell with with a great you know making powders for each individual meaning very much interlinked with the days and the and the planets and all this kind of shenanigans you know and that can be incredibly meaningful too I think whatever it is that you can do just do it you know and that, that can be tough when you're in a world which is so busy and there's so much pressure on our time but I think finding little ways of magic throughout the day uh, and making time for magic is really helpful and it doesn't have to be I think this is the thing when, when you make magic something that involves a lot of tools or involves a lot of stuff it becomes a kind of capitalist thing whereas you know if you think about cunning folk and various folk of the time they'd be you know picking bits and bobs from you know the forest nearby or it'd be stuff they used you know or stuff they found you know it's it's something that's very kind of tangible and sometimes a little bit haphazard or that you're just like okay this kind of works let's use it for this you know and a lot some of witchcraft is a bit of blagging it's like okay this will do (laughs) you know if you haven't got the perfect thing that's fine what's nearest to it you know the whole idea about something that is like the thing is the thing you know in terms of of you know targeting a particular goal I think works very well and I think that yeah I think I think we need to adapt to our modern lifestyle we can't keep hearkening on to this this past ideal whilst we can use it for inspiration you know no one's necessarily got the same amount of time at home or in a particular place they've commuting elsewhere you know they're in a city where it doesn't feel particularly you know magical at first glance but there's a lot of magic you know that you can find in modern environments and you know in office buildings and in in clinical environments there's little moments of magic that you can see if you if you get your kind of witch head on uh, and really explore the options that are outside of the obvious outside of the told because you know like you say witchcraft and magic is something that's been kind of at the borders of stuff you know and I think that by having almost like that border vision if you like that kind of like what's the edges of this environment what's the edges of where I am or what I could use you know things like you know I found a nut and bolt on the uh, on the street because it, it, there was a scaffolding up and I hope I hope it wasn't too integral to the scaffolding because <laughs> I mean it was on the street so <laughs> so it's still standing I mean, I mean I figure it's fine but I picked it up and I thought you know what can I do with this magically and I thought you know I could put the bolt and tighten it and then that's a, a drawing in you know that's kind of an attraction magic if you like I could remove it bit by bit uh, you know unscrew it from one another and that could be a, a you know a removal spell if you like it could be, you know, it could stay in one place and that could be a, a tightening of something. It could be maybe a great relationship uh, spell or to secure a job. You know, you might want to tighten the bolt. And that's just a very little thing that that you can do just by using that kind of border vision uh, and really sort of getting into the sort of uh, nitty gritty stuff. Because you don't have to, you know, magic doesn't have to cost anything. It's nice to have, you know, pretty things and it's nice to 
get involved with the aesthetic, especially at, you know, Halloween and Samhain and, and all that kind of time scale. But I think realistically, you can do magic with just your breath, as Tucker and Penry says, um, you know, and I think it's just that's what's so great about magic. And that's why it's always been a tool of people who are, you know, perhaps at the edges of things, you know, a tool of the oppressed. And, and it's a way to express ourselves within this within this kind of restrictive society that we often butt up against you know or this society where we might feel a little bit outside of it we can explore our power and expand that power and that self-assuredness through magic and it can be free you know oh absolutely and i mean there's there's a thing that i've i've taken to saying recently the only vital component in witchcraft is a witch with the will to make things happen. No matter what else you're working with, the strongest and most magical component in any spell is you, because you are the one who's making things happen. You know, everything else is, you know, of course it's helping you focus and it's helping, you know, guide what you're doing, but ultimately it's up to you. And, you know, we, we get caught in the minutia of stuff and the, the, the ye olden ways of doing the thing and all the correspondences and all of, you know, like you said, the, the sort of flash, I guess, yeah, it's the kind of and all the fancy tools. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I've seen all of these things on social media that other witches have. And we get this impression that, you know, that's how it has to be done. You have to have a special mm. thing. You have to have a special setup. And it's no, you can literally do magic with anything or with nothing yeah you know it's yeah i mean like you always say you know do the magical thing but it's it's not just do the magical thing it's sometimes it's do the thing and make it magical because that's equally possible yeah retrofit that sucker i mean like go for it absolutely oh you have no idea how many spells i have you know, created by reverse engineering something else. I'm like, all right, I don't know how to make this happen, but I have this other spell that kind of does the opposite. So how do I take that and invert it? It's like, well, I I don't know how to cast a spell to, you know, keep people from, from like bothering me or, you know, asking me out and, and, and stuff. This is back before I was married, obviously. <laughs> um, but it was like, but I have, you know, 101 love spells from other mm. places. It's like, all right, so how do I reverse engineer a love spell? Hmm. And it, it actually worked a little too well for a while there, but um, <laughs> I, I eventually figured it out. And of course, you know, I have famously talked about the, uh, the oh, one love spell that I did cast, which is how I met my husband. Yeah, that uh, is epic. That is an epic spell story. I honestly, I love that. Uh, every time I hear it, I'm just like, yes, magic is real. <laughs> I love our meet cute. I do. It, oh, it's just it, great. It gives me a deal of personal satisfaction, and not yeah. because you know it means I'm married to a wonderful man. Ah, but I have to ask. Um, you know, we've we've been talking about you know when people get into witchcraft, they have these impressions about how things work and you know they have to sort of relearn things going into stuff and it sometimes it takes a while to like find your niche so the question I must ask as I ask everyone how did you 
get into witchcraft? Like what drew you to it? What was the impression you first had? How has that changed? What made you the witch, the fabulous witch that you are today? Oh, too kind. Um, so witchcraft, oh mate, it's that question, isn't it? It's that question that is just, it's, I think, you know what, my answer to this question expands more and more uh, the more I get into the craft, I think. Um, because when you look back, you're like, oh, that was a magical moment. And I didn't realise it beforehand. Do you know what I mean? And the thing for me, it's, it's kind of been a bit of a winding road from monotheism to polytheism to non-theism, really, because when I, I was a birthright, well, I am a birthright Quaker. And um, and it's a very it's very much this sort of really a kind of liberal form of Christianity, uh, liberal in, a, in terms of, you know, very free, very accepting. And, and uh, you know, and and so growing up in that, you were encouraged to explore other ideas and encouraged to be very much focused as being like a steward of nature. And um, and I grew up in this meeting house, which is like 300 something years old. And and my parents were wardens of it. So it was very much this spiritual place focused in the land. And as a kid, I remember thinking, you know, I feel like there's this land has something to it. I feel like there's something here. There's some kind of like spirit here. Uh, and that felt very supportive. And I feel like there was definitely this kind of genius Loki there. Uh, and it was just a lovely environment. And I think as I grew into my teenage years, the idea of, of you know, monotheism just didn't appeal anymore. Uh, the idea of, of a man as, as Lord, you know, just rankled against my young queer self. And I was like, yeah, maybe not. And um, I thought, OK, well, I love the land. I love this. I get this idea that there must be some kind of something some kind of magic to this land and I got into polytheism and I thought oh what's appropriate and then I dabbled in a bit of heathenry and and heathenry is certainly something that's interesting to explore but ultimately I it was still deities it was still the power removed somewhat whilst it's a very practical uh, religion and I just got to a point where I was like I really I I just I don't feel like this power is removed from me this sense I don't think it's removed from me I feel like it's a part of me and I was like, OK, I'm, I, I need to I need to have that sense of empowerment, that kind of personal power. And, and witchcraft was really the thing. And it, it's sort of always been a bit peripheral in my life. You know, one of my well, the earliest gift I can remember was the uh, Snow White and the, and the Seven Dwarfs, the, the VHS back in the day when VHSs were a thing. And, oh, yes. Uh, with the clamshell cases. Yes. With the clamshell <laughs> cases. And I had this, and it's just this, I, it's one of my vivid memories of the Wicked Queen arched over the titles. And, you know, Snow White, you know, Snow White's grand and everything, but the Wicked Queen was, was interesting. She was, she did this potion and she was, you know, I grew up in, in, uh, in this village where there was a place called Dragon's Green and things like that. And I always assumed there was just a dragon living up the road. And so this kind of really <laughs> appealed to me. <laughs> so magic was just there. It just was a fact, you know. I was always told that little lumps on the trees were fairy landing pads, you know. And so, so <laughs> I remember seeing this, this, this kind of what was portrayed as this villain, but ultimately this great sense of intrigue, this, this person who got stuff done and, and you know, and that's that thing of like, huh, okay, I can do things for myself. I can move through this world, you know, for myself and and get, you know, get that sort of sense of control. And I think 
with magic, you know, it's tough because I would have got into witchcraft a lot earlier. Uh, you know, I had a friend who dabbled in witchcraft when I was younger. And, uh, but the thing is, it was always portrayed as something that you had to believe in a god and goddess. There was this duality there, uh, gendering, you know, quite significantly. And, you know, I, I just I was coming out of religion. I didn't I didn't really want another, you know, deities. And as, as a queer person, I was like, I don't really feel that celebrating a straight couple through the year is something that I'm particularly particularly interested in, if I if I may say. You know, I'm just I, yeah. I there's see... there is a lot of sort of heteronormativity yeah. in in a lot of you know modern paganism, but that I think is because you know so much of it has its roots in and was informed by Wicca, you know, which yeah. is fine. Which is fine. It's just that, you know, for a very, very long time, that's kind of all there was. Yes. And yeah. so, you know, now we have these other perspectives and it's kind of opening up more. And it's like, oh, you know, now as, as a queer person, we feel, you know, we feel like we're a little bit better represented. We have options. We have other things we can look at that's not strictly you have a god and you have a goddess yes. and you have a yearly cycle that is based on female fertility yeah. And your uterus is what makes you magical. And that's just all there is to it. I, oh, yeah, yeah, that was something that I was never really comfortable with either. Cause I was like, why yeah. do we have to focus on this? I don't like it. I don't like it. No, exactly. It's nothing of like, what, 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 what is this? Like, and I think the thing is, you know, it's, it, it's great to look at the parts that certain, uh, you know, movements within witchcraft have played, and it's great to look at these things and go, oh, OK, this is why, where and why and what this was. But ultimately, there are quite problematic elements to certain things that we need to go. Is this helpful anymore? Is this representative anymore? And what I love doing and what I did when I first got into witchcraft, you know, when I thought to myself, OK, enough of this, you know, messing about. Let's let's accept the fact you know, because in heathenry, heathenry is very much, I've, my experience of heathenry is because it's meant to be this kind of serious thing uh, and something that you research quite heavily. You know, it gave me that sort of grounding of like research is important, but equally it was kind of dismissive of witchcraft and, and it was sort of like, oh, that's all made up. That's all this and ever. But actually, you know, when you get into the history of things and this folk magic and, you know, look at figures like Odin, who was essentially, a you know, a sorcerer and Freya, of course, is a sorcerer as well. You know, you think, hang on a minute, there's lots of magic here. <laughs> like, and, then, and so, OK, if I'm not going to be this, this and this and I just want to be a witch because a witch is ultimately a very freeing label. It doesn't have to be I'm a witch of this. I'm a witch of that. You know, then you can go. Right. So what do I actually want to include? And why did these people back then think these things? Where were they informed from this? Was that information or that source a good source, really? You know, with my benefit of, of you know, modern uh, research and things like that and you go okay well I can I see this bit this bit makes sense this bit not so much as a bit you know a bit shady or a bit dodgy or a bit like oh maybe not you know and I think you know that there is that I do have this frustration because it still happens today that you pick up a witchcraft book and it's 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 Wiccan rather than witchcraft it's a it's an assumption of believing in deities it's an assumption that you know you follow the wheel of the year or that you know there's a male and female sort of thing going on there uh, you know I I'm wish I wish I wish I could find a moon book and uh, that's my current hunt is a moon book that is gender neutral, um, you know, because I really struggle. Even the most inclusive of books about the moon 
still use gendered pronouns to describe it. And I think this has done something we need to let go of. And so, you know, seeking witchcraft as as an adult, I got into it, you know, in my sort of uh, around about 2017-ish, you know, really realistically, not that long ago, you know, less than half a decade ago. And the thing is with that is that it took time because there was so there was so much misinformation and I had to sort of pick apart, hang on a minute, what is witchcraft actually? You know, what is it actually? How can I use it? Uh, and ultimately, you know, I think you do go through these transformations in your craft of understanding what it is, then realising that's not quite what it is. And then realizing, OK, so what is it now? Or what, you know, it's just this whole kind of jumble that you have to sort of pick out the bits and untangle the threads that you find until you get this clear pattern and you know even that pattern it, it will change you can add different things to the pattern or take things away over time but ultimately witchcraft is something that you know you can decide and and what's great about it is witchcraft spans so many different cultures that you will find something within your own culture that is appropriate and is usable and is you know it's inspiring it inspires you to make magic Oh, for sure. It's just sometimes you have to like you have to dig a little bit and you yeah. have to uh, you, you do have to sort of relearn things. That is a constant mm. process with with education. I mean, yeah. whether it's in your magical life or your mundane life, we constantly have to make room for new information and a responsible learner will take that new information and use it to revise what mm. they already know or what they assume they know because you know we don't always know what we don't know yeah. um and that's that's an important thing to realize i think is you know we don't know what we don't know i mean no. there are we know what we know and we know what we're not sure of sometimes but mm. there's just this whole vast swath of things that we just have no idea about. And unless we have encountered these things in some context, we don't know about them and we don't know what we don't know. Mm. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm, I'm adequately explaining it, but it's, no, it's just like no, until, until you've run across something or until it's sort of like come into your sphere, it's okay to not know things. But yes. once you find out about them, you know, just sort of onboard that information. Mm. And if that means, you know, revising or changing things yeah. that you understood before. Yeah. Let it go. Let it yeah. go. And, <laughs> yeah. And you should be revising things in the face of new information because that's healthy and it will also make you a more effective practitioner and, you know, a wiser person in general and someone who doesn't lose arguments on the internet. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, you know, it is, I, I think I can't, because my experience with paganism definitely came from quite academic, uh, you know, spaces where it was very much like you grow a tough skin because if you don't have a source, then you're in trouble. And that's kind of, you know, ironic when it comes to something that is a, essentially a mysticism. But it was really helpful because it was like, OK, I've really got to think here and I've got to be able to back up what I'm saying or what I'm claiming. Or I can say, actually, this is my personal gnosis. 
and this is you know I'm, I and I'll just say that outright you know is that not claiming something that is when it's your own experience versus you know and and it's not just that you know it's learning about your impact on other cultures on other people and thinking hang on a minute is is what I'm doing appropriate is it something that is harming somebody else in you know in a way that is you know for instance you know when I first started out and we see it in books all the time you see certain plants and herbs that are in you know in trouble or are something that are very sacred to particular peoples and you know and we have this sort of grabby hands mentality in the West, especially of like, OK, I just need to have all the things that I'm entitled to everything. And it's like, oh, actually, are you? And why do you want this thing? You know, why do you want to use this particular plant? Why do you want to use this particular, uh, you know, wood or whatever it happens to be? You know, what is it that's benefiting you here? And and actually, is there something in your own you know, culture in your in your own kind of space. Uh, you know, whether you know, for instance, Wales. Wales is full of fascinating folklore. You know, um, obviously, you know, in the U- I'm very much in terms of my own sort of uh, heritage. It's very much UK and a bit of you know maybe some Normans thrown in there. But realistically, there's so much folklore here, and I think it's just you know what I'm going to be bold and say that appropriation is half. It's kind of half ignorance and half laziness because like you say if you don't know you don't know and when you learn it you go oh I didn't realize that okay let me reevaluate a second uh right I, I can use this instead or I can do this instead or maybe I don't need to do this thing at all you know but the other thing is and I find this a lot when it comes to things like ancestor veneration and things like trying to incorporate local uh, folklore and you know perhaps I have the privilege of being you know in Britain I realize it's, it's hard in terms of America and uh, and places where there's you know stolen land and you know where you're living and it's that how do I connect to this land that you know historically has had a lot of pain there you know but equally the UK has had a, a, a lot of you know different processions over the years of, of invasions and different you know cultures and obviously the impact isn't felt so much now because it's, it's ancient history as such um, you know in terms of the movements of the Romans and the Britons and all this kind of this stuff but what you have is this this rich folklore wherever you are there is something there that you can connect to and and the thing is with I find a lot of uh, folks in in uh, who are looking at genealogy if they find that there's you know they they're from Ireland or they're from Wales they're from Scotland or from England they go oh it's just kind of oh this is just a whole lot of just generic you know stuff this isn't anything particular there is specific folklore in each of those places that you could look at and explore you know and it's in thing with with ancestor veneration which is something that is really very cross-cultural you know it's not something we necessarily do so much um you know in terms of uh in terms of modern times but historically very very much part of of practices and just kind of considered normal and I think the thing is it's just this a big frustration for me is this lack of looking into our own personal folklore especially things like European folklore and so what happens is is that people go oh I don't know if I can really bother to look at this is very domestic this is very something that is kind of familiar I want something exotic unique all this stuff I want to be you know and it's actually just like yeah but isn't that just what what is that like you're plucking something out of a culture that now has no or very much less meaning than it would have 
in its in its in its rightful place you know and so it just frustrates me people go oh there is you know i'm just you know mayonnaise or i'm just whatever it is whatever kind of you know kitschy catchphrase which which doesn't really you know help matters when they can actually go you know what i have some roots in scotland i have some roots in wales there's some really specific folklore here i can explore and look at you know like with smoke cleansing yeah you know some people will use particular plants but you know, you could look at Scotland if you've got Scottish folklore, look at saining, look at using juniper and rosemary and stuff like that. There's lots of things that we can use and we can explore. And I think, yeah, research is and the stuff is there. Like Claude Le Couteau exists. He's written several books on the folklore of Europe and, and Northern Europe, especially like there's oh, yeah. stuff there. You know, it, it just it's just the laziness there and, and the sort of seeking this whole exoticism thing that people dig. It's mm-hmm. just it needs to be it needs to just yeah just not happen really yeah and it's like well I want something that's going to be you know special and pretty and from somewhere else because that makes it seem more special it it, it is exoticism like you said mm. and it's like well it needs to be exotic and mysterious and whatever and it's like does it though are yeah, you doing that- are you doing that because you think it's more effective or are you doing that because you want it to feel more special you yeah. know we have this stuff that you know it may seem mundane to us but Mm. you know what's exotic to us is perfectly mundane to somebody else so it's really not like that much more special or effective just because it comes from another place and you Mm. know you're speaking of these you know the 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 whole like the different folklore traditions from from Ireland and Scotland and Wales and all over England and it's and all over Europe in every country in every region there's something that makes it unique that makes it special and you know me I'm whiter than kindergarten paste and I will freely admit that but I will also go yeah but part of me comes from Scotland Part of me comes from Ireland. Part of me comes from Germany, from England, and yes, from Wales. My <laughs> actual, my actual last name, which I'm not going to share, is actually Welsh. Nice, nice. Yes, my father yeah. wore the pride of Wales tartan at my wedding for that exact reason. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, when people say like I'm I'm white or I'm whatever, yeah, but what kind? <laughs> like where from? Exactly. Like come on, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it, and just to like we're we're we're, I'm gonna edge on the whole sort of like weird like what can you be proud of type thing. It's like mm-hmm. we we don't we don't get to be proud of being white because that's no. never been something to be ashamed of, like mm-hmm. ever. <laughs> so. But we can still be proud of, like, the places where we come from. And it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's cool that, like, you know, part of my family came from uh, from this place. And I'm, I'm really, like, I'm really interested in the history and the folklore of that place because, you know, some of my roots come from there. You know, yeah. that's that's all very cool. And you can be into that. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, just don't be icky about it. You know, don't be gross and don't act like it makes you better than somebody else, because that's that's where it starts getting yucky. But I think that, like you said, like way too often people see what's in their own backyards as bland and just not 
not as fun or not as mystical or not as special and sparkly as stuff from other places. But it's like, have you really looked at your own backyard lately? I mean, are you looking at it with the eyes that see things every day or do you want to, you know, close them for a second? open them again, pretend you've never seen this space before, you'd be surprised how much you can find. Yeah, 100%. You know, literally outside my flat door is some comfrey that's just grown like an absolute beast. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, you're there. That's really fun. You know, there's there's lots of little bits. You know, I, I'm very fortunate to live near a park and, and in the park there's rowan trees and there's, you know, there's all this stuff that I think if you grab like a little, you know, a little woodland reference book or something like that, you know what I mean? And get into your city, get into your, you know, wherever. You know, there's valerian everywhere here. You know, there's dandelions everywhere here. There's lots of little bits and bobs you can go, hang on a minute. Maybe there's concrete surrounding me. Maybe I'm, you know, wherever I happen to be, that doesn't seem like this great mystical grove that we're all apparently meant to live in as witches, right? Which is great. You know, if you do, fantastic and fair play to you. But, you know, some of us don't. And so if you just dig in and actually use your, like I say, that border vision, that kind of witch vision, uh, you know, really looking into what's nearby, you know, and also sometimes people are great and they just grow wild herbs like randomly, you know, especially in cities, they often put around street trees near here. And, uh, you know, there's old places or old ruins where, you know, there's rosemary growing and there's lavender growing and, you know, there's honeysuckle, there's lots of these little bits and bobs that are around. And I think, by thinking and and also with our impact in terms of the environment thinking about you know how can I make my practice as local as possible because that's less air miles that's less you know that's less of that sort of impact as much as I can you know and with gathering with gathering things ourselves obviously safely and mindfully um, you know and, and sparsely we're using less resources we're really connecting with our locale and really kind of digging in there you know and and you can have that sort of pride of place and and, and, you know that's that's fine I think the thing is so much of our modern paths in witchcraft are inspired by people who suddenly found out about you know the Egyptians because suddenly these tombs were being uncovered and that was never happening before and I think we forget that this sort of this kind of mysticism this kind of wanting to access these cultures comes from a time when this was all new information like you know that we didn't realize that this whole sort of you know these tombs were a thing now we just know oh yeah Egypt's full of amazing stuff but at the time it was like oh my god this is amazing this is gonna be a revelation and then they're like oh it's it's just it's just an expanding of cultural knowledge you know Uh, but there's this there's this desire to go I need this because and I, and I kind of feel like when we're going, I need this thing from somewhere else. We're going, I need this thing because I don't have much understanding of it. And therefore it makes it magical. But that equally means that I then don't really know how to use this thing or get much out of it or as much out of it as I could if I actually understood it properly. And, you know, exactly. maybe, you know maybe yeah. that's a little harsh, but I think it's true. I think really there's I a lot of labour, you know, yeah. there's a lot of labour to be done on, yeah. on local stuff. You know, mm-hmm. do that labor, do that effort, make the effort to learn about yourself, about your surroundings, you know, and, and that's if you've moved to a new place. You know, I had to relearn the local location. I, I lived in my village before for, you know, many, many years. But and coming to a new place was like, ah, OK, now I've got to relearn what trees are nearby. Where are my plant allies? Where what was the landscape here? And oh, it can yeah. be intimidating, you know, but once you make the effort, there's some amazing stuff that you can come across and that you can use in your magic every day. Oh, yeah, 
And it's very, very rewarding as well. I mean, I moved to Virginia from Pennsylvania uh, seven, eight years ago, and it's it's a very different climate here. I mean, not just because the, the weather is very different, which it is. Mm. But, you know, in Pennsylvania, I was basically living in sort of the very small foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. Mm. And, you know, I come down to Virginia and now I am on a coastal plain, which is also partly swampland. Havoc, uh. are you enjoying yourself? <laughs> he he's over here in the background playing with the rattly toy, hence the <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so you know, I had to, you know, rediscover like, okay, there's a lot of different trees here. There's not nearly as many, you know, large oaks or maple trees and that's what I'm used to but it's like oh holy crap there's a hell of a lot of crepe myrtle here there's a hell of a lot of loblolly pine there's so much stuff there's there's persimmon trees there's there's everything it's it's all over the place it's just I had to figure out all right what's the native flora for this area And how can I adapt what I know to fit this new information? And something I like to say in my in in my day job, it's not hard. It's just tedious. (laughs) And some for some people, tedious is too hard. It's it like you said, it takes effort. It takes time. And you have to be willing to put in the work. You have Mm. to be willing to put in the work to adjust, you know, yourself and your views and to, you know, think outside that box a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we we get caught up in routines a lot. And, you know, it happens in our daily lives. It happens in our witchcraft. And sometimes we're just in a rut. And sometimes that is a good thing because we've come into a routine that is good for us. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's less good because it ties us into a sort of very staid way of thinking and we forget to look around and notice our surroundings. And I think that's very much part of what witchcraft and magic in general urges us to do is to see the world with different eyes, is to see things that other people cannot or will not see and to, you know, discover the meaning behind these things and how they can be used to, you know, sort of enrich our lives. Yeah, 100. You know, the thing is, we, I think we fall into this habit of unless a book or unless a person or whatever tells us something as magical or tells us the properties of something, then we go, oh, it's just not magical. But you know, if you think about, especially, in, and I'm talking about cities a lot, it's because I've moved from somewhere that's quite sort of countrysidey to a city, and I've had to sort of notice these adaptions that. But if you think about, you know, like different plants and hybrids of plants, you know, there's a tree that we see pretty much everywhere in cities. You know, in London, it's very common anywhere you go. And it's the London plane tree. And it's really a, a combination of two trees. It's a hybrid. It's relatively modern. You know, I say modern, you know, we're talking hundreds of years old. But this hybrid, it has this beautiful bark, which is like a camouflage. And it flakes away into these lovely little kind of camo sort of shaped uh, bits right and so this is this beautiful 
street tree now if you walk past it it's covered in pollution you know that kind of grime it's normally got you know grates around it it's normally popping its roots out of its concreted base but that you know if you think about it getting the magical sort of mindset on if you think about that okay so it's got this camouflage you know kind of bark to it i could use that in a spell for you know keeping something hidden or for blending in or maybe i could use it you know this bark that's like a shell i could use it in protection magic because it's like an armor almost you know maybe i could use it as transformation you know if, if someone's perhaps going through some you know uh, gender affirmation surgery you know maybe they want to use this because it's a sense of transforming of, of really kind of shedding your skin and, and getting into this kind of new sort of fresh feeling about yourself or reaffirming a feeling about yourself that you knew was always hidden under that and so i think with that you know that's one street tree that's one little hybrid that gets so overlooked it gets so walked past and you know littered by and and stuffed into concrete but by just using that broader sense of vision and going you know what i'm going to make this magical i'm going to see you know and be inspired by what i see in front of me then you can really get something that's a fantastically a beautiful resource for for your magic oh for sure and it, it's it's astounding to me always just how much you can find in your own home environment you know even if it's not like the plants that happen to be in your particular area even if it's just you know the things you can find at the supermarket you mm. know if you if you open up your options a bit and you're willing to be a little bit innovative and a little bit creative, you'd be surprised how much you can get done without really having to leave your own area. And you you talk a lot about how to innovate with your magic and how to like think outside that that uh, aforementioned box on your YouTube show that do the magical thing we keep uh, we keep talking about. <laughs> and you cover just loads of useful information for witches of all stripes and experience levels. How did you get started doing that? Well, I think Do the Magical Thing was something that was a bit of a sort of long term. There's a long gestation on that one, I'm not going to lie, because for a while I'd been doing a lot of research, been doing you know, some spells and, and bits and bobs and noticed results. And I thought, OK. And then I kept you know, giving out information that I'd gathered to witches in various sort of Facebook groups or on social media. And, and you know, people kept saying, oh, you know what, this is quite handy information. So I started kind of copying and, and pasting my, uh, or copying and saving my answers, because I find that that's one of the most helpful things you can do. If you have a, if you have a comment on something, you know, a discussion on, on witchcraft or magic, I'd always recommend copying and saving your, your you know, comments to your notebook or whatever it happens to be. Because oh, it can yeah. really I inform. do that all the time. Yeah, you know, it really <laughs> informs your practice because there's been so many things I've gone, huh, this person's asked a question. It's made me really think and respond. And actually, this is really fundamental part of my practice. Like, you know, this is actually really key. And so I started off with this page because I want I what I found was though there wasn't this you know, there's a lot of witchy creators out there providing fantastic resources and fantastic content. And for me, as as a non-theist witch, I I didn't really find content that was that was not uh, assuming belief in deities, that was not assuming the whole gender stuff. And so what I wanted was something was which was relatively you know gender neutral, which was path neutral, and that explored that in an accessible way. Because 
I found so many people were like, okay, that's great, you know, all this information out here, but I need it simple. I need it something that's just that's clear, that's put across. And so I started the Facebook page. And I always intended for it to be a YouTube channel, but I just I wasn't brave enough. <laughs> Initially, I was like, ah. <laughs> and so I started off by doing little videos on on Facebook and then the page grew. But it became, uh, you know, the, realistically, I found that memes were the thing that spread rather than my sort of little messages. And so I thought, you know, I need to move this onto, uh, you know, onto a channel. So I, I hit a certain milestone with likes with the page and I thought, OK, I've kind of done that now. I need to get on with actually doing the magical thing and putting it on YouTube. And so, so January, I I thought, right, that's it. You're going to do it because you've banged on about this for years. You're going to do it. And so I put a video out there. And the whole purpose of doing the magical thing is really to make things accessible, to make things clear and to make people feel empowered to be able to do the magic. Because... You know, there's so many there's so many barriers to magic. There's so much sort of fear around it, like we've said. And and I just wanted people to have somebody who could say, hey, you know, these are the basic sort of elements that I've experienced, you know, and that's why I call it experiences and experiments in magic, because I don't know everything. I don't know. You know, God, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. And so with that sense of like, hey, I'm kind of approaching this as a big experiment. I'm working out what works, what kind of doesn't work. These are the theories that I've come up with along the way and the experiences that I've had that I can share with you. Maybe you, you'll be able to relate to them. And ultimately, you know, with Do The Magical Thing, the idea was that I always saw witchcraft videos on YouTube that kind of talked about something for most of the video uh, or the whole video. And there was no way to implement it into your practice there's no way to actually use that I mean maybe there was a sort of general guide but that's fine but I want to see it done I'm someone who's very visual and or auditory I love seeing and hearing and so so I really wanted something that was clear step by step and so with Do the Magical Thing my standard videos my normal videos always have the magical theory and the magical thing to do so it's split into two and it and that makes the videos a little bit longer but I think it's worth it because you know you have about 30 minutes or so about 20 minutes theory and you know 10 on the practical because then you what you've really got is the information that you need that learning the understanding of what it is to then implement it into something and doing it in a simple way in hopefully an accessible way that most people can do and so really I my main goals were not restricting noise, not hiding it behind, you know, some kind of closed door, but having it there and going, look, and it's a kind of ironic, ironic sort of demystifying of the mystical. But it's like you can do this. This isn't something that's removed from you, because when I first got into witchcraft, there were so many different paths that were claiming to kind of be the the right or the insightful or knew some kind of secret. And you have all those annoying sort of uh, folks who kind of prey on newer folks who are like oh this is the ultimate secret to unlocking your magical skill and it's like it just says meditate for 10 minutes a day and you're like oh, oh. Ugh, thought, yeah you know I thought yeah. this is going to be revolutionary uh, what is this and and so you, you know because <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted I wanted you know like candles and herbs and yeah like a squirrel with a bell something something i hadn't seen before something magical something unexpected and you're like meditate for 10 minutes a day it's really yeah. really 
Now, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just like, for God's sake. And it's also this whole thing about this. And I can't meditate either. <laughs> no, exactly. That's the thing. As someone who has very poor concentration, I, I, I'm just like, Whoa. I have to have a purpose to what I'm doing. And that's part of why, you know, the videos always have, right, this is how you use this, you know, because otherwise, what's the point of it? Like, what's the point of information I can't use? You know, yes, I like to learn things, but. I also like to understand how I can put them into practice. And the thing is, I know not everyone's got the time to do all the research. Not everyone's got all the time to do that. that you know, they've got different things going on. So if I can try and compress stuff and try and express it in a way that people can find, you know, easy to understand, you know, it's not to not to say that it's it's not about kind of making it or dumbing it down or anything like that it's just going right this is the information and, and being clear about it looking at etymologies you know what is this word coming from why does it mean this why are we using the term cleansing why are we using the term you know apotropaic for you know this magic what does that even mean and uh, you know with for instance apotropaic you know the greek uh, concept of sort of protection uh, magic or warding you know apotropaic means to turn away and so that's interesting. You could use that in a spell. Maybe you might turn the whole working away from you, you know, maybe anti-clockwise, maybe, you know, just doing something. Maybe you would have uh, maybe you would turn yourself if you could away during a spell, you know, H include movement. Once you learn these little bits and bobs, you can really kind of get into it. And um, and with the magical thing, I also wanted to highlight other witches. You know, that's why I do the do the magical thing with uh, series, you know, obviously yourself you know very kindly kicked that off and uh, and we had the wonderful Geordie witch on there as well and I really want to give voice to witches and and just really open it all up open it up crack it open like a little box of goodies you know and go right here's a spell for you here's a spell for you let's bloody do it do you know what I mean like let's just have fun let's explore it and and ultimately you know I thought I thought I'd the channel. I thought I'd just have like no one watching. For <laughs> I thought it's just I'm just going to be talking to myself for a few years. That's okay. And then like people started watching and people started giving that feedback, which was so rewarding. Of hey, I did the I I did the thing. I did the magical thing. I I made that spell you talked about. And it, when you have that moment when you have gone from being a witch who's been absorbing absorbing information and then giving that information back into the world. Uh, and, and trying to hopefully make some little difference there, uh, knowing humbly that you don't know, you know, what you think, you know, but, you know, little things. And then someone says, hey, you know what? I did something that you talked about. And you're like, what? Like how, how like people say, oh, I wrote notes on your video. I'm like, did you? It's like, wow, OK, this is crazy. I, I think for me, the channel has been a great lesson in humility and in just a great deal of sort of joy and also the necessity of being open about practicing and making stuff more appealing and more you know step by step because I think we sort of go here's a spell uh, step one and then oh, A to Z and you're like what hang on a second Where, where's B C D E and you know where, where was all that you know what, what happened uh, there's a whole alphabet there that you've just missed out and now I'm at Z like how did I get here and so I think the big thing feedback wise has been people have gone ha huh, now I actually feel like I can do this. Uh, and that's just been so, so rewarding. And yeah, I think, I don't know, I think creators out there, if you think that you, you know, if you think you might have something to offer the witchy community, then then do it because it's great because, you you know, your voice, as much as there are witchy creators out there, 
they're not there's not you out there you could do the you know you could do whatever you could be adding to this this whole menagerie of witches which is vast and various and you know crazy so just get in there and join in with the craziness and and I think the thing is I you know it's coming up to the first year in January it will be the first year anniversary of the channel and it's just been such a wild year for being involved with the community and for growing and, and just you know with yourself like you know I, I read obviously your work and and you were a big formative part of my practice you know really without Grove Daughter Witchery would I have got as far as I have I very much doubt it you know and and that's because you put your voice out into the world and you made it possible for witches to do the magical thing you know to do that practical spellcraft you talk about and I think that ultimately I'm I'm really grateful for the community and the fact that there are people like you out there who are yeah just just putting in the work and then sharing that it's just a really really great thing turns out you're not the only one on this call who can't take a compliment you <laughs> you shall Thank take you. this compliment <laughs> it's, it's uncanny man it's uncanny it's like I'm talking to you and you thought you know and I know I know I know this is a great big sort of you know feels fest but but it's the truth, Brie, you know, like I'm Aww. looking at your book right now with all its, as you know, dog-eared and, <laughs> and full of notes and highlighter. And I love that so much. I mean, I, I'm used to seeing my books just very sort of like clean and uncreased because it's like, oh, I'll, I'll bring them in, I'll sign them, I'll give them off to the, you know, the, the, the shop that's going to sell mm-hmm. them or, you know, I'll, I'll sell them at my, my table and what have you. Um, but I very rarely get to see them, you know, a year or however much later, you know, in the hands of a reader. And I never knew how satisfying it could be to see my work and be like, holy crap, like it's dog-eared. There's bookmarks. There's probably things circled and underlined. The spine is all creased. That is a book that has been read over and over. And I was just like, I I feel very loved right now oh. and but just also just sort of this you know sort of giddy happiness like oh my god I put something out there and it helped someone that much like it resonated with them that much and that's that's always my favorite thing to see whether it's with you know the books or the podcast is just to have someone come back like you were saying and be like, I get it now. I feel like I can do this. I feel Mm -hmm. seen. I feel included. I feel like, you know, you've been saying things that I need to hear, or, you know, these are things that I've been trying to put into words and you just went ahead and did it. And there's something incredibly fulfilling about that just the you know the the teaching angle is is a whole different thing but you know like you said you know get your voices out there because the community has a lot of us but it doesn't have you listener and you've got things to say and sure we might all be covering similar ground but no two people are going to cover the same subject or the same 
concepts in exactly the same way. I mean, you and I are practically peas in a pod as far as our like philosophy and our thought processes go, but we still do things just a little bit different and we have different life experiences. So we're going to come at things from a different angle and our difference in perspective and difference in experience, despite how similar we are as people is going to be valuable as an educational resource because, you know, the, the more information and the more ways of doing things that we can give, you know, other witches and other practitioners as points of reference, you know, maybe the more easily they'll figure out what it is they're doing and what it is they want to do. Yeah, 100%. It's like, it's, you know, I always think it's like queerness, you know, because there are so <laughs> many different ways to be queer. <laughs> yes. To edge that, you know, I've got to edge the queer in there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, the alphabet <laughs> mafia. <laughs> but with queerness, right, there's so, and there's so many ways to be queer you know there's so mm -hmm. many ways to to become yourself or to express yourself within that if you just saw one version of yourself or one version of of your you know community or whatever it is then you would think oh that that's the only way there is but all these different you know the representation matters in so many different ways mm -hmm. it matters and especially for like secular witches or for witches who are you know off the kind of regular beaten tracks within the witchy sort of uh, sphere or umbrella or whatever you want to call it you know with that the more of those voices you get the more those voices are going to be put out there promoted and 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 listened to you know this is the thing and I always think you know with social media and stuff like that and and with this sort of plethora of things there can be sides of it which are not so you know helpful because there can be a, a vast spread of misinformation but if you have a few folks out there who are getting the information and and, and being you know well researched or at least well acknowledging their limits and and where there's you know work to be done then that can help sort of counteract and balance things out and i think the thing is with content creation and you know anything like that that's the key thing is you have to have stuff to say and so a lot of times you'll see a lot of kind of filler and you'll see a lot of and this is the thing if people don't feel like their practice is enough because of things they see on social media people have to do different stuff to keep making content it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing that stuff you know every day a, a witch's practice is often in my experience very simple very kind of routine or it gets to become routine or there are little bits that pop up here and there it's not this insta-worthy you know beautiful vast thing or complicated thing uh, or different every time if you have a formula that works for you then that's great it makes it simpler it makes it you know compounded if you have some certain herbs that really work for you you don't have to use this obscure thing you know you can use this stuff time and time again and so I think the more voices out there that are going hey you know there's other ways to do this there, there are other ways to be a witch then that's you know that's all for the better really Oh, for sure. What you were saying earlier, you know, there is a certain amount of, you know, what we see on social media, and I'm not saying this applies to every, you know, witchy social media creator, but to, to some, there's a certain amount of it that is a little bit performative because, you know, people are playing to the algorithms. And once they get to a point where they're like trying to create 
a following or a platform or something, they do have to, you know, kind of satisfy the algorithms to bring in more viewership and stuff. Um, which means that, like you said, you know, not all the things that they're doing for their channel is stuff that they're doing every day. And if you've got something that works for you, by all means, do it. You know, it doesn't have to be fancy. It it doesn't even have to be, you know, varied. I do like the same five spells just about every day or week, depending on if I need them. And yeah. they're all simple, like simple to the point where someone would go, that's that's a spell, really? That's kind of, and I'm like, yeah, well, it works. <laughs> yeah, if it works, Lock, it works. <laughs> exactly. It's locking your front door. That's not a spell. I'm like, it is if you've done the prep work. Yes, you know you what know? I love, actually, <laughs> with the front door thing, is that I read... <laughs> I read recently in a folklore thing about, and I love, I love little wards around the home, as you well know. Um, but when you lock the front door, um, and I use my finger to to make a pentacle on the door, and me too. I, it's it's one of those things. It's a great protective thing. But did you know that there was this finger? I can't remember the era now. Um, but essentially, there was this uh, this way of putting a pentacle on the door. And the idea was is that you said, you said, if fever knocks, I won't be in. And it was this kind of very like this very crude, but very kind of sweet little charm of like, I'm going to put a pentacle on the door because if fever knocks, I won't be in. And it's this kind of thing. I'm like, oh, I'm not here. I'm, uh, no, no illness. Thank you. Uh, not today. And it just made me laugh because in these times <laughs> that we're in, it's that thing of like, OK, I definitely need to keep doing this pentacle. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I 100% have had a sigil on my front door to keep illness out since, like, March of 2020. But it, it it does remind me a bit of that, you know, we are not at home to Mr. Grumpy. You know, yeah, if it works, then it works, you yeah, know? And, and sometimes even if you don't know for sure that it does work, if it makes you feel a little better, then what's the harm? You that's know, it... It may or may not like actually turn away disaster or intrusion or whatever when I, you know, lock and ward my doors every time I leave. But it yeah. makes me feel a lot better about leaving home after a year, like a full year spent barely leaving my apartment. And then when we got back out, like being very afraid to do so. like. I'm nervous about leaving home to begin with because I'm like practically a hermit. But, <laughs> you know, then there's this whole added thing of, you know, oh, it's it's not just the usual like social anxiety inducing things. It's not just like the fear of accidents or the worry of, oh, what if something happens while I'm away? It's no, there is a plague on yeah. <laughs> and yeah. um, and things are not great. So you actually have reason to worry. It's like, oh, suddenly all my fatalistic thinking is paying off. <laughs> it's so true. I think, you know, I, because I work in healthcare, I spent a lot of, you know, I had a few, uh, a couple of months off, I think about three months off when it all first kicked off. But after that, it's been straight through. And I spent a lot of my time charming jewellery that I could wear safely and a lot of time charming, you know, doing cleansing magic on myself when I got back in. Uh, from work and things like that and and those little things those little rituals 
really helped my mental health because I, essentially I was playing Russian roulette every day, <laughs> you know, and, and just that sort of that anxiety. I mean, I'm sometimes I've got anxiety anyway. <laughs> and like adding that to it, it was just like, oh, great. <laughs> you know, but things like I would put a sigil on the back, on the strap of my visor at work, on the back strap of my visor, it, you know, it doesn't impact it hygienic wise. Um, but it would just be one of those little things that having that sigil on there made me feel more empowered, more protected. And guess what? It reminded me to put on my visor as well as my mask that day. You know, it's these little little bits yeah. and bobs, you know, and I think if we, you know, one of the ways you can make magic easy and, and you know, stress free in your life is by anchoring it to existing rituals, you know. And I think, you know, for instance, when I brush my teeth in, in, uh, in the day, if I brush my teeth, I do a little song to my ancestors right and I mean the song is like because I've got a toothbrush in my mouth but still you know it, it's, it's a little song to the ancestors because you're you know your bones I mean obviously I'm very much a fan of ancestors being you know you can have affinity ancestors if you wish uh you know or you could have and you know ancestors doesn't have to mean like blood relations you know because some of them can be problematic and that's you know something that you know needs to be worked through but you know your bones are one of those things that connect us to all humans the human body connects us to everybody you know and so with the bones I saw this phrase about polishing your skeleton you know brushing your teeth is polishing your skeleton and I thought that's so cool and so you know when I do that brushing of teeth I think okay now's a good time to just sort of sing a little song to my ancestors and be like hey I'm here I'm I'm doing stuff like hi you know and just anchoring it to that and like washing our hands sanitizing you know sanitizing is cleansing right you know putting a mask on is a protective ward you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's things you can do that that are practical and, and mundane and also magical at the same time. I think this is a thing, you know, it doesn't have to be either or. It can be both and, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and I, I think that's the thing that's so – what we fall into this habit of when we go to into witchy spheres is that we reject anything that's remotely, uh, you know, science or it's remotely, uh, you know, like medicine. And there's a whole challenge with misinformation around medicine and vaccines and the whole works there, right? And I think really we need to go this and, you know, I've had uh, my booster vaccine today, very fortunately, and that's great. I'm excited about that. I also cleanse myself and, and charge myself with sigils and things like that. I do both. Like, both is good, you know? <laughs> Oh my God. Yes. I mean, and with, with regard to like, yes, always believe in like magic and science because they can and do coexist. They have done for like literally forever since we've had the concept of both. (laughs) Um, But it's like, look, if you can't see sympathetic magic in, I am taking a tiny portion of this deadly thing to like literally put it in a vial and then stick it under my skin to keep the bad thing away. It's like, if you can't see that as a potion and a spell, then I don't know what to tell you. You yeah. know? Yeah. Like get that magical thinking on like, you know, when I take my <laughs> antidepressants every day, right. I take my antidepressants and it's a magic pill. It makes the mm-hmm. brain work. <laughs> like, yay, yeah. like, that's great. If I, you know, if someone said to you, you know what, I've got this magic pill and it's going to help your brain think and you're not going to feel naff and you're not going to feel like, you know, mm. all this stuff. And, you know, it, you know, it's all that sell the positives. It's going to make you feel happy. It's going to make you feel more in control. It's going to make you feel like you can you can do the thing, the life thing, mostly. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you'd be like, OK, give me this magic pill. That's great. Right. 
Would I right. like it in a vial or in like a nice little round globe bottle? Yes, I would. But as it is, I've got a pill and I can at least, you know, make it. <laughs> I can imagine when I'm taking it that I'm pouring some kind of strange vial into me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, medicine is just magic potions that work reliably. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. N- another another trade Dornism that I just absolutely adore. But <laughs> I mean, just because something is like scientific doesn't mean that it's not also in a way magical and Mm -hmm. the reverse is also true just because something is magical doesn't mean that it doesn't also like have a basis in science like when we're doing healing magic with certain herbs you know some of them yeah they they actually have like medicinal properties and stuff and you know when you're doing uh, a spell for example when I do my uh, my cleanser and my makeup and everything in the morning, I'm putting on a confidence glamour for the day, especially if I'm going to be leaving the house for any reason. And it's just to like to kind of help myself get over that initial sort of like transition anxiety between going out the door and getting in the car to go and do the stuff. Once I get out there and I'm in the car, I'm fine. But it's just the making myself get out the door sometimes. It's very hard. Um. But because I'm like, okay, I'm going to put on this 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 glamour of confidence and I'm going to appear to the outside world as somebody who absolutely has their shit together and, you know, (laughs) doesn't have the slightest qualm about, you know, going to the post office and then hitting up the supermarket. You know, even though in my own mind, both of these things are slightly terrifying. And I realized that, wow, I am talking about a whole lot of stuff I don't usually discuss, but that is okay. Because it's all right to be open about our mental health. Um, yeah. And and just because, you know, it is magic doesn't mean that it's also it, that it's not also a good psychological exercise that I'm mm-hmm. using to help myself cope with my anxiety. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it should be both. It can be both. And it is both if you know how to look at it. Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. You know, it's so true. And I think. I think that's the thing, like so many things like, you know, locking the door, making sure because the thing is, my memory is not fantastic. Right. So if I have a ritual around locking the door, I don't have the anxiety afterwards of going, did I lock the door, did I lock the door, did I lock the door? <laughs> so, right? It's like, oh, no, I locked the door because I remember I drew the pentagram on the door and I know that I do that after I lock the door. You know, exactly. it's like, you know, did I turn the oven off? Yes, I did, because I know I turned that off and I looked at my kitchen, which figurine and I and, you know, who guards my kitchen. Like, yes, I know I did that. It's these little things you can help yourself with, you know, and I think, you know, there's this whole and there's a, I, I'm, I'm just. Oh, yeah, I, I have like rage about it of, of people with, you know, uh, requiring medication for mental health. Right. Uh, within the witchy community there's so much of like oh i just need a herb just need this you just need all the natural stuff oh it's all chemicals it's like you're literally made up of chemicals like for goodness sake <laughs> you are yes. chemicals right it's, it's, where, where do you where do you think the chemicals in you know those medications come from what do you yeah. think aspirin is yeah you know <laughs> it, this stuff originally it has to come from somewhere a lot of it does come from plants sure it's you know it's very altered and it's in different states now and you know like you said everything is chemicals it's just at what point are we calling it chemicals you know Mm -hmm. are we calling it sugar that is in an apple 
or are yeah. we calling it fructose? Either way, it is the thing that makes the apple taste the way it does. <laughs> and it's not bad. It's just what name does it go by? And there's there's so many just buzzwords. Just, oh, I mean, I that's something that that steams my biscuits just ooh, so very, very much when people just like forget to have little things like common sense when it comes to magic. <laughs> And it's like, oh, but organic this and mm. crystals that and, you know, chakras this and so on and jade eggs and stop. <laughs> Where are you and putting those it eggs? Is, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it put the essential oils down. <laughs> and please, for the love of God, yeah. people take your meds, you know. If, yeah, if, if the meds are working, then, you know, they are serving a purpose and you are still a witch, whether you have to take medication or not. And you're not going to be more magical when you're off your medication. You're just going to be a lot more unhappy yeah, and it's going to yeah. be a lot harder to function. Yes, that's so true. And, you know, the thing is, as someone who's had mental health challenges from the age of, what, seven or eight you know, in various forms, the thing is sometimes it's always a sense of you having to get better. And it's like you, you can just have it manageable. And if something that you're taking helps it be manageable, you know, you don't have to overcome. Some things we have to live with. This is the reality of life, unfortunately, is that some things you have to live with. But if you can live with them in a way that helps you to live, to, you know, live life, not just exist, you know, Without my medication, I kind of exist in the world and, and not particularly well, right? With the medication, I exist in the world and I can see the sun shining. I can see, you know, it broadens that view. And, and in fact, I see more with this, you know, this magic pill, this magic potion that I take. And I, I think the thing is, we don't talk about this enough. And like we said before, representation matters. And I'm someone who has, I know when I was younger, there was more shame around mental health stuff. You know, there's more shame around everything. I think we've got a lot better in talking about it. It's still hard. It's still something that is really personal and everyone's got to be comfortable in their own way about it. But I think being a witch and saying, hey, I'm a witch and I use regular medication. You know, I can't magic away my migraines. I have migraines every month. Um, yay, periods, right? And so, like, it just it's, it is what it is. And, like, as, as much as I could try drinking more water, like everyone tries to suggest you, or as much as I could try, you know, these meditation or whatever it might be, the reality is Rizotriptan is fantastic. <laughs> that is a magic tablet that I will take any time I need to because someone, this is the thing, someone's made this and someone's made a difference in other people's lives by making this thing if that's not magical i mean what is do you know what i mean for real and it's also like if we could magic this crap away by other means don't you think we would yeah 100 <laughs> i know? mean freaking if, if i could get rid of my adhd or yeah. my depression or my anxiety or any one of the ugh, i don't even want to talk about the physical ailments at this point but if I could get rid of any of those just with a spell, just poof, gone, I would have mm. years ago. But like you said, these aren't always things that can get cured. You know, no. you just have to learn to live with them. And if there's ways that you can, you know, cope with that and find ways to live, not just to exist or to function, although those are 
very, very important. And everybody has down days when existing and or, you know, baseline functioning is all that we can do. It's also important to, you know, find things that enable you to live and to thrive instead Mm -hmm. of just survive. You know, surviving is is, is baseline. That's what you got to do to get by. But Mm -hmm. you still want to, like, enjoy life. You still yeah, want to like be able to get out there and do things. Yeah, exactly. You know, Seneca said to sometimes even to exist is an act of courage. And I love that phrase so much because sometimes existing has been an act of courage for me. And that's okay. It's okay to acknowledge pace and isn't it aren't season something that we, you know, observe and acknowledge and accept in witchcraft. We have seasons ourselves where, you know, we have this this spring where these ideas or energy, they're all springing out there. We think, oh, brilliant. You know, we get into that summer where everything feels easy and it feels, oh, yeah, I can do this. And and then you have that kind of that learning and you get into autumn and you're like, OK, how am I how can I reflect on these experiences? How can I absorb this? And then you go into that kind of hunkering down that winter of kind of inwardness and that that sort of, yeah, really kind of in Converting into yourself in a way that almost that retrograde of self as you're coming to spiral into yourself until spring again where you're kind of like okay I can grow now we might have all those seasons in one day that's okay I think it's just accepting the season or the weather that is right now but also acknowledging that things can change things can get better things can at least you know differ somewhat you know and I think you know just being able to I think this is also why magic is something that really helps me in that, you know, it can be this psychological tool. I'm absolutely fine with it being potentially a placebo effect. You know, that's absolutely OK with me. Uh, you know, that's great. If it's if it's that's all it is and it's still making a difference to me. Fantastic. If it's something more than that. Well, you know, the more the merrier. Oh, for sure. Actually, uh, didn't um, Sedna Wu do a whole talk about uh, placebo magic at SASCOM that I thought was just wonderful. Yes, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sedna's, the slides, the slides were just beautiful in themselves. And it was also just the oh, information. Man, yes. Like, honestly, yes, yes, I yes. Think it was just, it was super lush to get their perspective and to to hear from people who are using witchcraft and magic in their own way, in ways that are very sort of science affirming and going, right, here's the evidence that we've got. And like the open placebo effect is is fantastically interesting. And there's this, uh, there was a study and I'm sure that Sedna's seen it or spoken about it, um, where there were some cyclists who were given this flower pill, right? This this pill that was just filled with flour, nothing particularly in it. And they were told it was a flower pill. They were, that was, you know, you, this is not going to do anything necessarily. It's just flour. But there were a certain amount of these cyclists who improved their time. And that wasn't a particularly high percentage. So, you know, the conclusion was that more research was needed. But what these people said, the people who did improve their time, they said that they remembered taking the pill and imagined it giving them power, right, increasing their power. And with that, you know, what they've done is essentially they've made a ritual. They've done some kind of deliberate action and combined it with visualization yeah and whether that's speaking to visualize because not everyone can visualize necessarily in in their mind but still it's that combination of deliberate action i've done this thing or this thing is done and i am thinking this is what it will do 
that's magic essentially and so really what's fantastic and I do recommend watching Sedna on um, on YouTube you know they've got some fantastic really kind of in-depth concepts for witches who are perhaps more on the sort of skeptical side of things and really want to explore the how can I kind of back up this craft how can I just use it as a scientific or uh, as a placebo you know magical you know tool you know that's fine I think really that was what's so great about SAS Witchcom was that there were these voices that you don't normally hear from who were going, hey, there's some awesome science here and, and that's enough for me, you know, and that was super cool. And I definitely appreciated Sedna's take alongside Skeptical Witch and um, and Dermak of the uh, Placebo Magic podcast. I think it was just a fantastic mm-hmm. insight with, you know, with all of those. And and that's the, that's the benefit of witchcraft community is you get these fantastic voices who are so vital and, and providing those different perspectives, like we say. Oh, yeah. And that was really the point, I think, of SASCON was just to bring all of these uh, these perspectives from these different people together. And I think it was a, a huge success. I can't wait until the next one. It's going to be great. Um, but uh you were talking about seasons a moment ago, and that reminds me, it is currently spooky season. We are all gearing up for Samhain and all of the fun that promises. Now, I know what I've got planned. You know, I've got my my <laughs> annual apple offering to all of my, uh, my de- uh, dearly departed, all of the beloved dead, and uh, the annual warding ritual, which takes time and always leaves me very tired and hungry afterward uh but i mean you you do it once and you don't have to do it for the rest of the year it's pretty awesome happy days yeah yeah and that's why i can lock my front door every morning and have my wards engaged because once a year i go back and go all right we're doing this (laughs) we're putting things in place putting things (laughs) for the next year we're gonna we're gonna clean out all the old stuff and we're gonna you know put in a fresh set make sure that it's all good I'll probably patch it sometime around in bulk just to make sure but what do you have planned for Samhain do you have any particular tradition for this time of year yeah well I love I really love this time of year and autumn in general because it's that that sense of change and that sense of starting to reflect and that sense of gratitude for what's past and, and lessons. So what I try and do is I really kind of reflect on what I've learned so far, magically or otherwise, and make a note of that and work out, you know, how can I apply that knowledge? How can I apply that, you know, research, whatever it happens to be, and really kind of dig deep on that through the winter and then have, it's almost like a goal setting time for me, but a kind of a gestational sort of thing so I go okay this is what I've learned this is what I'd probably like to learn and so then by the time January comes along or the spring comes along I'm like okay I know and I've thought about what I want to do now I can do it because it does take me a bit of time and a bit of procrastination to do anything so I've just learned to give myself longer to do stuff and I'll get it done and I think with Samhain it's just that wonderful time of hunkering inwards and celebrating celebrating the unseen in a way 
I do a little walk around my I have like a kind of magical route where I've made offerings. So I always go to my uh, solstice tree. But I mean, it's not just for solstice, but I do. The sun rises rather beautifully through its boughs. And so I use that for solstice celebrations. But I also use it seasonally anyway. So I'll go for my little walk and visit my solstice tree. I'll go to a local ruin where I uh, cast some successful magic. And I kind of do this like thanking, if you like, of the local uh, genius Loki uh, and really kind of really kind of treading it quite literally treading that magic throughout where I live and in that kind of circle and it's kind of warding in itself so I do that I also often do a, a divination with my ancestors and see if there's any messages there uh, and that can be really rewarding you know and I find that as someone who's quite skeptical it can be kind of it can be difficult to do that and accept that, you know, there might be answers there. So I use tools like, you know, divination, uh, you know, cards or whatever it happens to be. And and I find that helpful. But sometimes I will just get that little words in my head and the lyrics from songs that rock up and it, it's kind of got a meaning to it. So, yeah, very much ancestor time. Just that really for me, the kind of the more sort of mundane magical things this year, I've got my lovely uh, coven. And two of the girls from there are coming round, and we're going to do a spooky movie night. So that's going to be really fun. And it's just that sense of joy with people and and celebrating. Because I don't think, you know, as witches, I think we always seek that kind of Halloween and, and Samhain is that time where we can be out in the world more easily and with more acceptance. And so it's really fun to find other people who you can be spooky with, um, which, you know, I haven't necessarily had before. So this is a really lovely year um, to sort of bring that in. So really, it's just a time of, um, yeah, of kind of reflection and of retreading, you know, wards and re like you say, you know, it's a great time for protection magic, digging into the ancestor side of things and uh, and yeah, just getting a bit spooky, really. And just sort of celebrating being a witch in general, I think. Yes, yeah, is, 100%. Is the season for that, yeah. But I'm I'm totally with you on like connecting with other witches and just sort of like being out in the world. Like we're we're witches all year round, not just on Halloween, but in Halloween and in October, you know, we can kind of do it like more outwardly because you know the stuff that we would you know wear or do or what have you, like, anyway, you know, the rest of the year, someone's going, what, what the heck is this going on? <laughs> what is walking down my street with a broom and a cat? What What is this deal? <laughs> you know, in October, it's just like, oh, yeah, there, October. Yep, there we go. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's the thing. I have kind of accepted being the village weirdo or the city weirdo or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, hard because, to <laughs> You know, the thing is, I always wear my hat. You know, it's not pointy right now, but there is a milliner I'm looking at getting a nice pointy one from, which is kind of subtle, <laughs> but still. And um, yeah. but I'm always wearing my hat. I'm always a little bit odd. Uh, and I kind of always have been. It's just one of those things I sort of accept about myself. But that's a privilege. I mean, I know that that's something I'm lucky. I'm out at work as a, as a witch. I'm I, uh, you know, I, I run local moots now, which has been a crazy kind of thing. And, and that's been lovely. So I know I've got a certain amount of leverage. Because not everyone can be. Uh, you know out as as a witch if you like and I think yeah this time of year is fantastic for really being able to express our spooky little selves and and just yeah I think it's a great way to like you say about 
you know, kind of that cove or stealth witching. It's that sort of chance to be slightly overt if you can and uh, and just embrace that and have a bit of fun, I think. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and for me, it's also a time when I sort of, uh, you know, not just celebrate being a witch, but also like celebrate how blessed I am as a person to be able to exist this way, to be able to be, you know, pagan and witchy in public in my life, to be able to be open with, you know, with the people I love, with the people I work with, with the people in my community, and to be able to you know, talk about the craft with others and to have the platform that I have and to do the work that I'm doing is just like, wow, I'm a lucky witch. And, you know, there, October and and Samhain is a time of remembering and I have to, you know, kind of sit back and reflect and be like, you know, 10 years ago, yeah, I was still a witch, but I was nowhere near here. I never thought I would be here and here I am and what a journey it's been and to celebrate that journey and all the steps that I've taken, all the people who have walked with me, all of the people who have, you know, helped me and, you know, and it's also when I celebrate my, my four patrons. That's when I am most pagan is it so when it's like everybody gets a drink and we're going to light all the candles. And that's when it's oh, it's it's so much fun. And it's also the time of year that I sort of like I start seeking out other witches because mm-hmm. like you said, you know, that's even the people who are sort of, you know, like stealth witching. They're doing it on the down low around like Samhain and Halloween, they will be just a little more overt because they can be, because then it's unremarkable. It's just, oh, you're in the spirit of the season. Sure you are. (laughs) And, you know, I can, I can go up to somebody and just be like, oh my gosh, I love your thing that you're doing that seems witchy and just, you know, sort of work into the conversation. Like, hey, so are you interested in this sort of thing at all? Because if you are, here's my card. Yeah, you know what? Let's be friends. Yeah, because I was at work the other day and uh, <laughs> and a patient, they uh, pointed at me and went, pentagram. And I was like, uh, yeah, because I, I wear mine all the time. It's it's uh, a talismanic jewelry. And um, and it was so funny because I was like, yeah. And we had this moment of recognition between us. I was, like, I was like, yeah, you've got a pentagram. I've got a pentagram. Oh, cool. Um, do you do the thing? Like, uh, and so, yeah, now they're going to hopefully come to one of our moots. So it's, it's so exciting because just in those little moments of bravery of like, uh, are, you, are you, are you, are you? And it's like, yes, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the so witch in me that. recognizes the witch in you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, it's just so lush. And I think, you know, as someone who's been solitary for, you know, most of my practice and, and the coven sort of concept has only been a recent thing because, you know, I was very independent and like, whoa, whoa, whoa. but actually, you know, the more you can share ideas with people and, and when I say coven, it's very much and a rule that we have is that it's it's equal. Nobody is, you know, greater than anyone else. No one is in a position of hierarchy. It's it's just that sort of that circle of, of people who are practicing alone together, you know. And I think that's the thing. You know, if you come together with other witches, it doesn't have to be that you have to follow all the same stuff. 
you just need to you know you've got common ground there which can be explored and you know like you say with autumn it's that time of reflection and and it's a I find it really helpful to kind of reflect on you know on my practice on where I can add things where I can remove things you know it's that kind of pruning back um, but also the sort of adding that little splash of autumn colour as well. I do love that bit. I do love the colours. Yeah. <laughs> and it, I do like the the pruning back you mentioned as well. I, in a very mm. literal sense, like I prune back my garden, yeah. uh, my window garden, starting in like September and a little bit in October, just, you know, when it needs it. Um, and that reminder of, you know, okay, you know, as we're doing this, as we're storing up for winter, you know, we can also prune away the things that no longer serve us. We can, you know, get rid of old ideas and habits and, you know, whatever else that no longer suits the person we are today. It's where you were a year ago is not where you are now. You may not have moved very far, but you have still moved. And, mm -hmm you know, that that distance needs some looking at. And it's like, oh, OK, you know, maybe I've only come a little way, but I am different than I was when I was, you know, over there. Yeah. So what does that mean? You know, what has that distance meant to me? You know, what has this, you know, journey forward in one year's worth of time meant? How have I changed? How have I improved? Where do I go from here? What things do I still, you know, want to do? So it's it's a great time for uh, reflection and for for journaling, certainly, and for oh, yeah. for discussion. Yeah, and, and I for, think you for know, bouncing you can... ideas off each other too. Yes, exactly. And I think, right, yeah, the ideas, things, sharing those ideas, you know, mm. really harvesting appropriately, harvesting all that kind of knowledge that you've gained. I think. For me, what I like to do, because I find the idea of, you know, when you talk about New Year's resolutions and things like that, I find them quite overwhelming because it's a long task or it's a it's a vast thing and it's it's kind of un, it's intangible. But I find if you use things like at the very least, if you use like the equinoxes and solstices as little markers for reflection, you know, and using, you know, if you want to use the Sabbaths as well, use them as little markers of reflection to go, OK, like you say, what have I learned? And, you know, reflect on those notes you've made, uh, you know, those those comments that you've copied and pasted into your into your digital notebook. Like, have a look at that. What do you still agree with? What do you disagree with? And and that's just going to help you refine your practice, you know, refining your practice all the time. There's that thing, isn't there, when that something isn't, I can't remember who's, where the quote is from, but that something isn't great because there's more to add but it's great when there's nothing left to take away and I think really if, if Ooh, that's like what you that. can do with your practice isn't it lovely I know it's a phrase yeah. about I think it's about editing or something like that but mm -hmm. you know when you've got you don't need to add stuff all the time you don't need to expand all the time you know you can you can refine it you can make it so streamlined and, and lovely and simple and 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 habit and familiar you know that's lovely yeah have a little bit of splash of stuff here and there throw in a few extra bits and bobs and you know new experiences and things like that but those familiar things those that routine you know that sort of that understanding that real understanding of why you're doing what you're doing I think is just a fantastic uh, fantastic task yeah and really that's that's I think part of the fun of being a witch is is that constant new discovery and 
that constant change, you know, yes. you know, every, everything. What's, what's that phrase? Uh, nothing is constant except for change. <laughs> yeah. And it is, we are always changing. So we may as well like enjoy the process. Yeah, totally. And the thing is, you're never going to know. This is one of the biggest tragedies of life, really, is that you're never going to know everything you want to know. And all these books that I want to get on my wish list, (laughs) all these books, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read them all by the time I cork it. Do you know what I mean? I may well cork it. The thing is, I'd be bargaining with Def going, listen here, Def. I, I've got a few more books to read yet. Can you give me a bit more time? Because I haven't learned <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, just give me a couple of, you know, just, you know, I can, pro- just I can put Just this stack, it this stack right here. Yeah, I've just got this bit here because I inevitably buy books before I've, you know, read me old ones. But you will, that's one of the great joys and one of the great sort of pains because when I was in witchcraft, well, when I first got into witchcraft, I was like, oh, I need to learn everything and I want to be able to have the answer and complete witchcraft. <laughs> but it's not a video game. It's not one book. It's not something you can tick off the completion percentage of. You just learn and relearn and unlearn and keep going. And the, you know what the joy is? The joy is that you are constantly learning, that you are constantly understanding more and more or less and less. But, you know, going down different paths. And that's a real fantastic lifelong thing. You know, witchcraft is a, is a, it can be, if you want it to be, a lifelong practice. It can be something that grows with you. And that's the great thing about having these moments. You, you can really help to sink it into your very bones, you know, and, and realize, well, what kind of things do I want to continue doing? What kind of things do I want to go into next? Because there's so many little parts, you know, I've got endless wish lists of various parts of witchcraft, you know, stuff that I may never use, you know, but I want to understand. And so that is the one of the greatest, greatest joys of witchcraft and magic and the occult in general, however you identify within it, is that you will have a lifelong curiosity fulfillment essentially and I think that's just uh, it's just my favorite thing and the more you learn the more that you realize there is to learn (laughs) that's just the fun part (laughs) well this was fabulous Lee you are always just an absolute joy to chat with and I love how your brain works is that (laughs) weird sounds weird no, but I, I mean I love it. Oh, thank you I, I really appreciate that I never know I, I always think I sort of babble on these little these little diversions and things like that but yeah I think that is just the way I brain <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean sometimes we have to have a ramble in order to get around to our point yeah so it's it, as long as you you get there eventually it's like oh it's all good and you'll find cool stuff along the way that's what rambles are yeah. for yeah, so side quest. <laughs> exactly side quest side quest it's not a tangent it's a side quest <laughs> <laughs> so before we go uh do you want to real quick tell the folks where you, they can find you on the socials and where they can find your channel yes so do the magical thing on youtube and at do the magical thing on instagram those are the two main places that i uh, exist magically and um, yeah, do, don't hesitate to, you know, message or if you've got any questions or suggestions, then absolutely go for it um, because I'm always open to, you know, hearing feedback and to, and for witches to share ideas. But not only that, but anyone who's got something, you know, witchy to say that fits with the, the channel kind of ethos, then, you know, I'd love to have you on and, and have a chat, you know, and, and share the magical things that we do. Love it. 
and y'all you you definitely want to go and follow lee like go find their channel go find their socials you know if if you're on any of the same discord servers you know chat with them they're just a lovely lovely person and you will learn things before you realize it i promise you because they're they're just that cool oh that is a great compliment i really appreciate that (laughs) well this has been so much fun and i am so looking forward to sharing this with everybody it's going to be great so until next time this is brie and lee (laughs) rhyme reminding you to stay safe get vaccinated if you can and don't hesitate to do the magical thing. Hex Positive is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Check out everything they have to offer, including our sibling podcast, BS Free Witchcraft, over at nerdandtie.com. Intro and outro music by Kevin McLeod. For all the latest updates, follow at hex underscore podcast on Twitter. You can also follow me at, at Brina Garen on Twitter and Instagram. For more information on my books, you can check out my WordPress and my Amazon author page. And if you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash Stay safe, wash your hands, and remember, always practice safe hacks.